Well, good morning, church. It's good to see uh, all of you here today. And uh, if you've been with us the last, I don't know, four weeks or so, we've been going through the book of Colossians. Uh, So you're not coming late to the movie if you're jumping into Colossians 3. Um, But I encourage you to go read Colossians 1 and 2, um, because we're going to jump in Colossians 3 uh, today. Powerful, powerful letter from Paul, prison letter from Paul um, to the people, the Christ followers uh, in Colossae. And uh, he really uh, laid the foundation from chapters uh, 1 and 2 about who Jesus is and what Jesus is about and the person, the nature, the role of Jesus in our lives. Um, This early church uh, really was getting false teaching in one ear and Jesus teaching in the other ear, and they were kind of mixing it all together and really getting mixed up theologically. Uh, So Paul refuted some of the false teaching, some of the heresy that went on. Uh, in chapter two, and he, he did a little. He does a little bit more in chapter three and four. But you're going to see a little bit of a pivot today from Paul, uh, from going to specifically teaching on who Jesus is, uh, to really how do we apply this to our lives? How does this make sense to us? How do we apply uh, Jesus's teachings uh, so that our behavior, so the way uh, that we respond to it, uh, may change? Uh, so we'll be in Colossians 3, 1 through 11 today and spend most of our, most of our time there. Um, but when we often think about a, a life being changed, um, and many people outside the church, maybe even at one point you thought this to be true as well, uh, you would think, well, I need to clean myself up. I need to get all my sin cleaned up. I need to get this issue over here fixed. I need to, to make sure that on the outside it's clean and it looks good. But we see a whole different picture in Romans of what Paul says about the gospel of Jesus. Listen to what it says in Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we're still in the middle of it, Christ went to the cross and died for you and for me. So when we come to Christ with a repentant heart, when we come to Christ uh, uh, believing and receiving this good news that he extends to us, he starts to transform us. Uh, the Bible says he starts to, to, to set us apart. We become, we become holy. We become more like Jesus. And as a result of that, our behavior begins to change. Uh, our appetite for sin, our appetite for the things of this world begins to diminish. And for those of you that have been following Jesus for some time in this room, uh, you wouldn't say I've arrived in that area. But you can see the progression in your spirituality to where uh, the sin and the, 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 the things of this earth have just become a little bit less appetizing because you know the destruction that it causes. You know where it leads. You know the pain that it causes if you were to go down this path or that path. And that's what Paul's speaking to today. He's going to talk about some of the behavior that's going on. And he's going to say, hey, guard yourself against it. We'll see that at the end today, at, at, at the beginning section of, of chapter 3. There's some things going on in this community that uh, are not of God. And as you uh, continue in your walk with him, be careful you don't go down those paths. So today we'll be in Colossians 3. I'm going to read 1 through 4 to start out. And here's what he says. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. And then he says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, 
and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, uh, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Incredible, powerful few verses. Paul makes it very clear that, hey, Christ followers in Colossae, Christ followers in Centerville in 2019, uh, that not only have you been uh, risen with Christ, you were raised from the grave with Christ, that you died with Christ as well, he says in, I think, verse, in verse 2. What does that mean? Well, what it means is now that we're in union with Him, that we can be in right standing with Him because of the, the all-sufficient work of Jesus Christ. And when we read this passage, we think of, if you think, you're thinking literally, you think, man, how, how in past tense, I wasn't alive back then, did I, did I die with Christ, right? How can I be raised with Christ? Well, Paul, he unpacks it a little bit, and, and, he, and he unpacked it a little bit in chapter 2. When he said, Christians in Colossae, you were once dead because of your sin. Because of your sin debt. You had no way on your own to get in right standing with the Father. I mean no way. You couldn't, you couldn't try to clean up your life well enough or He could be accepted by Him. None of it. But because of God's incredible grace, because of God's great mercy, you can be in right standing with Him. And He's saying, you too, just as Jesus has been raised from death, from the grave, you too, if you're in Christ, have been raised from death. You can experience new life in Christ. You can experience the thing that Jesus wants to extend to you. Let me, let me explain what that means. When our Father in heaven, if you're in Christ, now looks down at you, and when He looks down at me, He doesn't see your junk. He doesn't see your rap sheet of sin, and it's long for all of us, and it's ugly, and it's, nobody wants to be around it. He doesn't see our brokenness. He doesn't see all the hurt, all the pain, all the stuff that just interferes with a walk with Him. But what our Father in heaven sees, when, what Paul's explaining, that when we're in Christ, He sees Jesus' righteousness covering us. We just sang about it, that we are clothed with His righteousness. So that when He looks at you and me from heaven, uh, He sees us in the same light that He sees His Son Jesus. And he loves his son, Jesus. He, loves, he lavishes his love on his son. And to think that he sees us in that light, it changes everything. It should excite us to know. And let me, let me explain it this way through a, somewhat of a parable, this story. It's not a parable of the Bible, but an author wrote it this way. He says, a powerful king sits on his throne, judging the people. Guards attend uh, to him. And commoners wait in long lines for an audience. Suddenly, the doors of the throne room burst open. Heads turn and everyone in the room gasp. There stand two little boys. One is clean, but one is covered in mud and crying. How many parents have watched that scene play out 10,000 times? With brazen boldness, the unsullied boy tugs the other down the red carpet towards the throne. The guards pull their swords, waiting for the nod from the king to get rid of the intrusion that just came in the room. But the king holds up a hand and his face softens into a smile. The first little boy stops at the king's knee and pulls his buddy into the circle of his arm. Hey dad, this is my friend. He's scared and he's hurt. And I, I told him that you could help. 
Well, the king opens his arms to embrace both boys, not caring that mud is smeared on his royal robe. And he looks into the frightened eyes of the muddy young boy, and he says, any friend of my son is welcome here. How can I help you? It paints a picture an incredible. We, we, can't, we can't go before God on our own merit. But when we're escorted by the Son, when we're escorted by Jesus, it changes everything. Romans 5.10 says that in our natural sinful state, right, uh, that, that, that we, are, we are enemies of God. That when we come to Christ, when we're clothed with His righteousness, the Bible paints another picture and can give us another title. That we can be called sons and daughters. We can be called children of the living God. Why? Because God doesn't see all the brokenness, all the sin, all the stuff. When we're clothed with Christ's righteousness, He sees us in the same way that He sees His Son, Jesus. Paul explained it over and over in chapter 2. Christ canceled the sin debt. He canceled it. We can be in right standing with Him because of Jesus. And then at the end of verse 1, he says this. Since you've been raised with Christ, since you know Jesus, people of Colossae, he's saying, set your heart on things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. This image would have came to mind when they're thinking of the king because they would have experienced that or known about that. That when you are seated at the right hand of the king, you are raised to his honor. You are raised to his level. You are, you are valuable. Uh, you can be in a, a relationship with the king like nobody else in the room. You can communicate with the king like nobody else in the room. Uh, you, can, you can talk to the king. You can ask questions to the king. You are in union with the king because you're right by him like nobody else in the room. So when we think of the incredible story that Jesus really did come on this earth, live a sinless life, went to the cross and died for you and I, was buried and three days later rose again. And then it says that he ascended into heaven and he's at the right hand of the Father. Imagine the Father when Jesus was raised from the grave. He was bursting with love, bursting with joy. It was outpouring of love to the Son because he loves him so, so much. Our Father in heaven, if you're in Christ, sees you the exact same way. He sees you in the same light as he sees his son. If that doesn't get you excited about your walk with Christ, if that doesn't get you excited for the thing that you've been able to receive and experience that you didn't earn because of what our Father in heaven decided to do for us on our behalf, I don't know, I don't know what will. And I love what 2 Peter 5, uh, 8 says. It says this, talks about the grace of our God. It says, the Lord is patient with you. How many of you throughout your lifetime, you are so thankful that God has been patient with you? Anybody raise your hand on that? I mean, we all, every single one of us need uh, a lot of that. We need God's patience. He doesn't want anyone to perish, it says, but everyone to come to repentance. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. God made him who Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin. He took on our sin debt. He became sin for us, a sin offering, if you will, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here's what it means. If you are a Jesus follower in this room, or if you would like to be a Jesus follower in this room, 
that our Father in heaven has got his huge stamp and he's stamped on your life righteous. You're righteous before him because of what Jesus has done for you. What, what a gift. I said earlier, Paul gets really practical in this chapter and in the next one as well. And earlier, I mentioned this, and he's talking about, hey, since you've come to Christ, since you have new life in him, since the old is gone, the new has come, here's what I want you to do in light of that. I want you to set your heart on things above. I want, to set, I want you to set your mind on things above. Maybe you've heard things like this, and you, maybe you've even said things like this to people around you. Um, that, hey, you are so down to earth. Anybody ever heard that or you've said that to somebody? Or maybe you've heard the line of, you are so heavenly minded that you are no earthly, anybody know that? Earthly good, right? That's what, that's what we've heard that line. Or get your head out of the clouds, right? You've heard that before as well. And each one of those is kind of referring to, hey, get your focus down here. Focus on the here and now. Focus on the immediate. Focus on what's going on around you. Be Be aware of your surroundings. And Paul, when he says, hey, set your mind on things above, he's not saying walk through life aloof or distant or like you're just kind of up there floating around and everybody else is down. He's not talking about any of that. But what he's saying is set your mind and heart on things above. He's saying let heaven, let heaven fill your thoughts. Let the desires, the heartbeat of our Father in heaven consume you rather than focusing on the here and now. Why would Paul say this? Well, because he knows that thoughts influence action. Thoughts influence behavior. So often when we, when we get to the big explosion with sin, uh, there's usually thoughts that led us up to that point in life. Didn't just all of a sudden come on. And Paul knew that thoughts uh, would ultimately sometimes dictate behavior. So he's saying, hey, the best thing you can do, church of class, set your heart, set your mind on things above. Were they already hearing that kind of teaching? They were. False teaching. They were saying, hey, there's, there's, some, there's some visionary teachers out there. There's some mystics. There's some things going on in the angel realm that you need to understand. And Paul's saying, yeah, set your heart on things above, but on Christ alone. He uses some of the exact same language we talked about last week and to fight against some of the legalistic rituals, the asceticism that was going on, all this the extreme self-denial. They thought, man, if I, can, if I can do this to my body and, and deny myself, I will become holy. But Jesus wasn't in the picture. And Paul says, you've got to be someone that sets your heart, sets your mind on things above. Well, how do you do that? Well, Paul points back to another letter, prison letter, uh, to the church in Philippi. And he says this in Philippians 4, verse 8. He talks about how we should think, how, how our minds should be wired And he says, finally, brothers and sisters, he says, whatever is true, uh, whatever is noble, whatever is is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Oh, I know you're being pulled to think about the visionary realm and the mystic realm and the angels and all this stuff, but man... Fix your eyes, set your heart, set your mind on Christ's work, on Christ's accomplished work for you and for me. Paul used this theme often in his his teaching around the New Testament of of living life with heaven in mind. 
Live life with the hope of heaven at the forefront of your heart and your mind. Hebrews 13, verse 14 says this. I want you to hear it. It says, For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. If you were to boil down what the Hebrew writer is saying, just specifically in this verse, he's saying this isn't it. This, this place we call planet Earth, where we live now, there's something more. There's something greater. There's something being prepared for us. Jesus is going to reveal something way greater than this. It says in James 4.14, he, he says, what is your life? Your life's a mist. How long does a mist last? It's here today and it's gone much quick. A, a, a mist, your life's a mist. It appears for a little while and then it, and then it vanishes. Ecclesiastes 3, the whole chapter talks about that God has set eternity on our hearts. You know what that means? We ache for eternity. Uh, we, want, we wonder about eternity. We long for eternity. We long to be with Christ in eternity. So Paul says it only makes sense to set our heart, set our mind on things above. Let's set our heart and our mind on the things that are unseen because the things that are seen which you all are getting so caught up in, they're temporal. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. They, they vanish like a mist in a, moment's, in a moment's notice. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Since He's changed your life, set your hearts on things, on things above. Uh, we, we set a lot of things, don't we? How I many of you, you, you set the table at home at times? Um, you set a timer. Anybody, we do that. Last week, you set your clocks forward. Anybody forget to do that? Raise your hand. Anybody think we need to do away with that? Anybody exhausted all week because of that stinking clock getting moved up? Our whole week was messed up. Um, so we, we know what it's like to, to setting. It's, there's a focus that goes with, with setting our heart, our mind on something. We played football in college. There was a, a word that we would use. It wasn't a, a public one, but a lot of football players would understand it. Uh, it was a word called YAC, Y-A-C, and some of you may know what that stands for. Uh, if you were a wide receiver, tight end, or, or a running back, it was for yards after catch. So it wasn't just about catching the ball, that's great, that's a first step, but it's about how many yards can you get after the catch, because that's what sets you apart. That's what makes you an elite, you know, an elite football player, if you can have breakaway speed and get away from somebody. So you see it all the time when you watch football, um, guys that are going out for a pass, and they are not focused, their heart, their mind, nothing's set on catching that ball because they're, they're either worried about yak, right, the yards after the catch that they lose focus, or they're worried about getting their head knocked off by the guy that's coming straight at them. And we see it a lot. You just simply lose focus. You miss the pass. Could cost you a game. Could cost you uh, maybe, maybe some, some pretty good stats as well with the yards after the catch. Paul's using some of that language. Set your mind, set your heart. The Greek word for set in this verse, it means to seek after, to strive for, to be intent on. And here's what it tells us. It's a daily choice that we make. We choose every day to set our heart, to set our mind on things above. It's not going to come natural to us. You're not going to come to a relationship with Jesus Christ and just kind of fall into this. Because what we'll actually fall into is our carnal side. We'll constantly go back to what we know. We'll constantly go back to what we think. And we'll go back to old patterns just like that. And Paul says, be on guard. Set your heart. Set your mind on things 
above, to set our mind on things above, is to look at life through God's perspective. It's to, it's to seek after what God desires. And Paul makes it as clear as day. You're not going to haphazardly every day just choose to set your heart and your mind on things above. It's about daily renewing your mind. Paul says in Romans 12, verse 2, we must do it. We must make it a discipline in our life. Here's why that's tough. Because life can be tough. We have struggles, right? Real stress. Real pressure at home or at work. Uh, real issues with, with things just happening and coming our way that, that we didn't always choose. And so for us in the middle of being in a pressure cooker, uh, thinking about you know, setting our heart and mind on the things above, it's usually the last thing we're thinking about. But Paul says, man, if you build this into your life, if you make this a discipline, when that pressure cooker moment comes, uh, you'll be more apt Let's keep your eyes fixed on Christ as you walk, as you walk through it. Because here's the deal, you'll never be able to fully escape the mess that is called this world. We live in a broken world. There's stuff that's going to happen all the time, but there's one thing we can choose to do in the midst of it all. We can choose to set our heart, set our mind on things, on things above. And when we do that, church, it'll help us, and he knew it for the church in Colossae, it'll help them rise above false teaching. It'll help them have clarity when temptation comes their way to, to kind of to push it away. When the hard time in life shows up, we'll be able to maybe put it in perspective to see, hey, God, what are you teaching me through this? What are you trying to show me through this? It'll help us wrap our mind and our head around truly what Jesus has given us when we keep our eyes fixed on things above, that we're redeemed, we're set free, we're renewed day by day. Ephesians talks about that we're his workmanship, we're his handiwork, right? He created us, we're his new creation. So whenever I read the Bible, it's like, how can you practically do this? It sounds good to just walk through life and bam, I hit, I'm set on things above, right? But I want to do this in my life regularly. I think the first step in, in, in moving towards that is realizing your need to move towards that. Realizing that, wow, life is just, it's just flying at me. That I get distracted so easily from keeping my heart, my mind set on things above with TV, with, with the news, with my phone, with the, with the internet, with people, with busyness, you name it. The enemy, what is this great, he doesn't have any new tricks. I've shared that many, many times. The enemy of the devil has no new tricks. But one of the things that he's known as is the great distractor, right? He's the great deceiver. So the last thing he wants any Christ follower to do is to solely have your mind and your heart set on things above. So he'll whisper to you. Uh, he'll, he'll lead you down just a, just a side path that runs right, right, right in line with the real path you should be on, but it's just, just kind of to the left or to the right. And he's the great deceiver. And Paul says, no, those moments are coming. And, and, and we get distracted all the time. So for us to see that we need to set our hearts and minds on things above is, is truly the first, the first step. And I'd say the main thing, it's not rocket science. If you want to set your mind and heart on things above, you got to pick this up and read it. It's God's living, breathing word to you and to me. It's his love letter to you and to me. We need to pick it up and, and, and understand it. Read it and ask God to help us understand it. Let it challenge us. Let it be as a mirror, not only to show us who he is, but it, to reveal who we really are. 
In Psalm 119, verse 18, it says, O Lord, we can lift up prayers like this, open my eyes to see yourself and the wonders that you are and the wonders that you promise, the things of heaven. God, help me to discipline myself, to focus in on you. Would you reveal yourself to me in new and great ways? One author put it this way. It'll be up on the screen if you want to read it. It says, it's honestly quite simple. Make time in a place where you have solitude and quiet. Open your Bible and read it slowly. And as you read, uh, turn every sentence into a prayer. Saturate your mind. Ask questions. Ponder. Ask how it relates to your family, your children, your singleness, your job, your leisure, so that all of your life takes on a Godward focus. Bible saturation, and an exaltation of Jesus Christ. We want to set our heart, our mind on things above. We got to get in His Word. We got to read it. The generation of today, we have more access to God's Word than any other generation in history. Through technology, through just the sheer amount of Bibles that we have, that God wants to speak to us through His Word. There's no excuse ever for us not to pick it up and to read it and to let it speak to us. If you want to pop that screen up with version, if you don't have the version app, many of you do. I think there's well over 300 plus million people that do, so join the club. And it's a great, great tool that literally has every translation of the Bible you'd ever want. It'll read it to you. If you're too lazy to even read it, it'll sit and speak to you. That's even better, right? Um, it's thousands upon thousands of devotions. Uh, there's stuff that you can go through with groups. It'll remind you every day at whatever time you want to do it. To get God's Word in our heart, uh, we got to put forth a little bit of effort. And as a result, we will find ourselves over time as we become holy and sanctified, growing closer to Him, that our hearts will long and they will set towards the things above. And we'll focus on, we'll focus on Him. I don't know if these glasses are down here or not, but when I, I led youth ministry for about six or seven years, and I would use the, 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 the story often, is that God's Word is like a set of glasses for us so that we can not only see who He is, but we can, we can see the world more clearly. And that's what God's Word will do for us. So let me, let me share a few of these things of what God has done on our behalf and for us. That God created everything, He created the world, he created finances, he created marriage, he created children, he created relationships, he created sex, he created leadership, he created emotions, he created the human body, he created the value of human life, he created love, he created passion inside of us, he created, you name it, he created it. So wouldn't it make sense to walk through life uh, and looking at creation through the creator's lens and begin to see life through his through his eyes understand the world through through his eyes so often we don't and we see we see the world through a blurry set of lenses we look at the world through our own set of lenses which is often blurry we look at the world through our friends set of lenses or what they've told us or through our parents set of lenses and it's often uh, blurry at times right 
We look at the world and view the world through politicians' uh, lenses and, and sports stars and entertainment heroes and you name it, all of which every single time will be blurry. And sometimes they'll just be a little bit blurry, so we'll be like, this isn't too bad. I can still see, right? And we'll buy right into it. God has given us a set of glasses so that we can interpret what's going on in the world, so we can understand who He is, and we can understand who we are in relationship to Him. We were not set free. We were not made right in Christ just to blend in and just to look like everyone else. The message says it this way for Romans 12. Uh, it says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Uh, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. So many of us, we become so well-adjusted to our culture, we don't even know it. And maybe today could be a day where you say, you know what, God, I, I, need, a new, I need a new pair of glasses. I need to be able to see what's going on, not only around me, I need to see you at least a little bit more clearly. God, I'm going through some stuff. I've got circumstances that don't make sense. I'm going through a trial that don't make sense. God, I want to put on your lens. I want to, I want to do my best to understand what you want to teach me in the midst of this. Some of you today, God's saying, it's time to take off your glasses. And it's time to put on His so that we can see the world the way He sees it. God, set our hearts, set our minds on things above. You know what happens when we do that? doesn't matter what we're going through. There's always hope because Jesus is hope. Heaven is our hope. There's going to always be hope because of Jesus. So today, if you're in here, and I mentioned a little bit earlier, if you're going through just a ringer of a time, uh, you want to get out to the other side of it like pretty quick. In the midst of that, I want to encourage you this. Listen to the right voices. Because the enemy will whisper to you just the craziest stuff and, and lead you down paths that you should never go down. Listen to the voice of God. And the Bible says the voice of God is usually like this still, small voice. So we have to get quiet enough, sit down long enough so we can hear, we can hear from Him and put on His lens. I want to close, which you would think, man, that we'd spend a bunch more time on this. But Colossians 3, 5 through 11 is what we're going to end with. Uh, Paul says, hey, because of what Christ has done for you, He made you new. The old's gone, right? Uh, you've been clothed with His righteousness. Here's some things that are going on that you need to be careful about. And they're still going on today in 2019. He says, put to death, therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now the game's changed, he says. You must also rid yourself of all such things as these. 
Get rid of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Don't, don't lie to each other, church. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But Christ is all and is in all. We can put off the flesh. We can put off the old nature because of what Jesus has done for us. Set your heart, set your mind on things above. He was a teenage boy, I would say 15, 17 years old. And he, he got taken and was enslaved. And while he was enslaved, maybe up to his uh, 20s, he felt just a, a huge call on his life uh, to the priesthood to be, a, to be a follower of Jesus and to tell anybody and everybody that would listen about Jesus. And uh, while there, uh, he wrote uh, this incredible prayer that I want to share with you. He was one of the greatest missionaries, the most well-known missionary in all of Ireland. And today we celebrate his day, St. Patrick's Day, and while many of you thought it was about leprechauns and sh like shamrock stuff and green beer and a green river, um, it's about Jesus. And uh, he used this, uh, the, the shamrock type thing to walk around and explain the Trinity and to explain Jesus all over Ireland. And this is the prayer that he wrote because we're going to be singing a song specifically about Jesus. Um, I want you to hear this prayer if I can find it about St. Patrick. And hopefully we can follow in his footsteps. He says this. He says, Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right. Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down and Christ when I sit down. Christ when I arise, and Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. Uh, Christ in the mouth of every one who speaks to me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. He was consumed with Jesus. May it be said of us, like St. Patrick, that we keep our mind and our heart fixed on things above and set our heart on Jesus Christ. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for the book of Colossians, for Paul's leadership to this group of people. Thank you for your love that you uh, show us through Jesus. Thank you for the grace that you continually bestow upon us. God, thank you that you're patient with us. God, I pray that we would be a church that would be marked by keeping our heart and our mind set on things above. God, our hope, our greatest longing for this church is for people to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's why we gather. It's why we keep serving. It's why we keep worshiping. It's why we keep taking up offerings. Because we want people to know 
Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.